0: Greetings and salutations. This is just a warning that this podcast contains strong adult language. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the On The Pitch podcast. I'm Dave, he's Ash, and we come to bring you more football. What's up, Ash?
1: Um, Pretty good, Dave. Uh, Chelsea won the other day, so it's all good. Play tomorrow. Um, But today's podcast is going to be centered around fixture congestion, uh, overworking players, and we're going to start with the uh, plans for a biennial World Cup. So, for those of you that don't know what biennial means, a World Cup every two years rather than every four years. Um, I'm not sure how this is going to work because you've got tournaments like Afcon, the Asian Cup, uh, the Gold Cup, North America, Copper America, the Euros, the Nations League. So, where, where are they planning to fit these these in? That's the main question. And then you have to double qualifiers, which is more international breaks, more disrupted seasons. Money talks,
0: eh? Money does talk. It seems to be the only language a lot of these leagues talk and a lot of these clubs talk because at the end of the day, I guess, it's their bottom line they're the most concerned about, right?
1: Yeah, but if you have a biennial World Cup, it's going to take away the shine of it. It's going to be less special, Mm -hmm. and people are going to be like, oh, if I miss a World Cup, there's one in two years. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but I love watching the World Cup. It's something I look forward to. You know, the World Cup, the Champions League and Chelsea, that's the three best things to watch in football. Um, but, you know, I love the idea that the World Cup's every four years. It's special. And, you know, I think making it biennial just to get an extra three billion quid, it's ridiculous.
0: It's it's stupid. I don't, I, I concur with you. I don't like it. There there is a certain type of, I, I don't know quite what to call it, but we'll just say it's special, like you said, that it comes on every four years. If it comes on every two, that creates all types of unnecessary issues as far as players go, and especially when a lot of these clubs and countries bang about player safety. But really, how safe are you keeping the players if you get guys that are on international duty that got to play a fucking World Cup every two years and on top of that, you got guys that play in Europe. On top of that, you got domestic cups. And on top of that, you got other shit going on. I don't think it's a good idea. And it also loses it loses its prestige, I guess, if you're gonna play it every two years. And I think it's gonna end up getting devalued and depreciating just as much as and I'm not saying that you and I look at the FA Cup from that point of view, but a lot of people do, sadly. And they're gonna look at the World Cup in that same light and depreciate it because it's going to be played every two years. Like, there's nothing good that comes out of it except the bottom line for all the selfish, greedy bastards that make money off of this. And if we go on, we can even say, too, like, two years, is that really enough time for a country that hosts the World Cup to get ready in order to make sure that they can properly host the World Cup and everything that comes with it? That was another issue that I have with that because is two years really enough to prepare yourself for a competition of this magnitude,
1: and, well, and like I said at the start, what about the other international tournaments, like the regional tournaments, continental tournaments? Why would you get rid of that? It's not fair. Like, look how special Afcon is to African nations. Like, and you know how big Africa is as a football nation. They they, mm-hmm. they love their football. Don't take that away from them. And the same with the Asian Cup. You know, Japan. You know, Japan love their football. Australia loved their football. OK, they're not the best in the world, but, they, you know, they get to World Cups and Japan usually put on a good show. You know, they almost beat Belgium in 2018. So mm-hmm. and I just think that these regional tournaments, I mean, OK, I don't watch the Copa America because, you know, it's just not something I'm interested in. There's two teams in it, really. That's it. But, you know, the Euros is a little bit different because I think most of the world's best footballing nations are from Europe. Uh, Gold Cup. No, I'm not interested in it. But I know, but I, but I, but I know it's meaningful to the Americans and the Mexican mm-hmm. team, right? And I'm sure that in a few years, Canada will be will be up there as well because they've got a good they've got a good young squad evolving up there. But you know, you shouldn't take that away just to have a World Cup where most of these countries can't even play. And i read that apparently they want to do UEFA uh, like a World Cup Nations League or a Conference League for like all this. I was like, what the fuck are you on about? Just look. It's not broken. It just is not broken. I love the fact that it's every four years. It gives teams chance to qualify. You get all the playoffs and everything. But, you know, if someone hears the word three billion, they'll be like, oh, we can line our pockets. It doesn't matter what players think. I mean, Robert Levendowski's come out and said that, you know, players physically couldn't do it.
0: They can't. I mean, studies show you need at least. And I mean, it's in the science. So, I mean, if people want to argue with fucking science, that's one thing. But it takes the human body, even professional athletes, at least seventy-two hours to fully recover from a match. And you want to? They want to bang on about all this, all these different competitions. Where are you gonna? First of all, where the fuck are you gonna find the time for all of this? I want to know. That that's that that's what I my main inquiry is: is how the fuck are you gonna find the time to fit all this in? Because there's phys, there's literally and physically going to be no time to fit all this shit in.
1: I just think someone... I mean, isn't Wenger behind this as well? Like Wenger's trying to propose the two-year World Cup because I know he's got a job at FIFA now. I think, isn't he the one that's pushing it?
0: Yeah, he's the one that's pushing it, and I don't understand his his thinking because this is... At this point, this is so far from aberrant that this is just greed. And I have no idea. Wenger's always been a fucking wanker anyway, so I have no fucking clue as to why or what even initiated this crazy idea of his and whoever else is behind it to make this shit every two... It doesn't make sense. Every two years... Like, no, you, I can't sit here and honestly say that I would watch that shit every two years, and I'm pretty sure you would have watched that shit every two years.
1: No, oh, it would get boring. And the thing about Wenger
0: is, I thought he liked the number four. Always finished fourth in the Premier League. That, that's funny because that, you know, his whole, he likes trophies too, right? And he had he was always known for the fourth place trophy. So this is kind of, kind of funny to me too.
1: I just don't understand, you know, nations. I mean, I'm sure if the nations got paid for it, they'd agree because they're just as fucking bad, but you know, players, surely they'd refuse, like, you know, just saying, look, look, what's the point? Because in those two years between the world cups, you have the, you know, the continental competitions. Mhm. And you, why would you want to lose those? Because they're good to watch, especially you know Afcon next month, which I actually hasn't been cancelled, has it?
0: No, it, it's going no. forward, and I can't fucking wait. Afcon is the Afcon. Af, that's like my fa- one of my favorites, as far as competitions go. I fucking love the African Cup of Nations. Come on, Nigeria.
1: I think Sky Sports have got it. Uh, they're going to be showing the game, so I'm going to try and watch as many as I can. I would like Senegal to win because <laughs> Mendy's representing them, and it's Chelsea. Uh, but nigeria i've always loved nigeria same with ivory coast and ghana you know mm-hmm. a lot of see a lot of my african football is because of the players that play for chelsea you know like Essien, mm-hmm. and Kalu, Kalu, all those sort of players that and now we've sense. got mendy yeah there we've got mendy um obviously john obi Mikel, victor moses uh ZH isn't being called up because his manager doesn't like him so <laughs>
0: pretty much i mean i love i love african football when i was in iraq we used to play football when <laughs> we had time. We used to play football with um, Ugandan, Ugandan nationals who were also there with us serving. So I, from that, probably from, yeah, it was right, right around that time where I figured out what AFCON was and all their national sides and how Africa's football worked, and I just fucking fell in love, bro. I mean, um, hopefully, too, it will be cool to see if the Gambia wins because we all love Judea, and if his team can just fucking win that shit, that'd be great, too.
1: Yeah, definitely. It'd be nice to see. You know, that's the thing about Africa. Like, it's just a huge football continent. And it really brings them together. I mean, I hope Gambia do well. I mean, who do you... I know you want Nigeria to win, but who do you think will win? Or or do you actually think Nigeria will win it? Mm,
0: uh, My bias answer is I want Nigeria to win. And that's because, you know, we talked about on the last podcast with Ancestry and stuff. Um. You know, that's a good question. I would have to really think about that. I would say Senegal would be a favorite, though. I mean, look at all the, the talent that Senegal have. Well, it's,
1: awesome and, fit for, it's awesome and fit for Nigeria. They've got Ianacho, I- I- Osimhen, Moses, if he plays. Um, the Nigeria have a solid team, too. Um, obviously, Ivory Coast isn't what it used to be. But obviously, no. they've got Zaha. They've got Zaha, Nicola, Nicola Pepe. But I don't think they're, they're defensively <laughs> going to be sound enough.
0: Egypt's a one trick pony, all they have is Mohamed Salah.
1: Yeah, and they've agreed to let Salah play against Chelsea before he goes out. Of course. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. That annoy that annoys me because I don't know why Liverpool just can't accept that he's not going can't accept that he's got an international tournament to play. But you know what? They are not put a light, like? they try and it's ridiculous. You know why what that tells me love-
0: though? I'm gonna talk some shit. Like, and I know Liverpool supporters listen to this show, and guess what? If I offended you, with what I'm about to say, good, I meant to. They're fucking scared. They for all the shit that they talk, they scared because they know they ain't got no depth. Salah goes, who the fuck are they gonna put in there? They scared. That's why they don't want to let him go till afterwards because they're going to try to beat us. But we drew them, and we should have won that match, by the way. But I'm not going down that fucking, not going down that rabbit <laughs> hole. I'm talking about the reverse fixture. But you must feel some type of way because y'all couldn't beat us when we were a man down, and now you want to you wanna take part in a little bit of procrastination so that you can hold on to Salah and try and beat us because y'all ain't got fucking anybody.
1: That's the thing. If they, why have they not told uh, Senegal to let Mane stay? Because okay, I know Mane has fallen off a little bit in the last season or two, but he's still integral to that Liverpool side. I, mean, I think I think they'd be okay without Salah. I mean, they'd have Firmino, Jota, and Minamino, or Oxlade-Chamberlain.
0: <laughs> Jota, who doesn't do dick for his country, but I digress. But the Liverpool, he's fucking insane. It's always been like that, though. It's always been, at least from what I've noticed, and I've been watching football a long time. I've been on this earth over three decades at this point. And um, it always seems like a lot of players have always been club over country and i can't say i have a problem with that i'll say one thing though harry
1: kane always turns up for england same he as sure
0: that hey poor harry kane man I, I like the guy i do he's a talented player he's probably he's probably one of the best strikers in the world and poor guy's stuck in fucking tottenham
1: but you have to think though you know that, ah. that, in that situation you understand it but you have to make the best of a bad situation there's no point sulking and not playing, because it's going to make things worse for you. But that's a different day, different story.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, nicely but talking about Harry Kane and the Premier League. Do you think it's time the Premier League introduced a winter break, the same as the other top leagues in Europe do? Fuck yes. I just don't understand why we don't, because... Okay, I know the Boxing Day game is, like, a big thing, but... Does it really matter? I mean, it doesn't matter what day you play on. It's still a football match. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand, you know, players, they're humans. They can't just, you know, run and run and run and run. And it's why I'm surprised that a lot more fixtures haven't just been cancelled over this period. Because, oh, if you've got 13 players, you can play the game. But that's not the point. Because what you're not thinking of, if if a player tests positive for COVID, or you've got a group of them, they can't come back for 10 days. That could be two or three matches. So then you're asking the same set of players to play three matches in 10 days. And it's not fair. And I can understand, that, you know, even when Chelsea beat Aston Villa, Tuchel was still unhappy about the scheduling. You know, he's not happy. Klopp's not happy. And I can't say, I, for once I'm actually with Jurgen Klopp, because they shouldn't have to play two games in three days. They played on the 26th and they're playing today. And it's the same for any team. I just don't think it's fair clock moans about everything on the It's not. Klopp moans about everything, but I'm with him on this one.
0: I mean, look, I don't like the guy. I mean, fuck him. But I, I concur. But then there was, there's another side of this where people are like, okay, so what about the supporters that don't get to see their clubs often and they have a little bit of time off of work during this time of year? They get to go out and enjoy watching a football match. And then there's the side of where you get the fucking, the whole, you know, the supporters, like you get people coming, coming to England from outside of the UK to watch a club. And somebody had brought this up on a podcast I was listening to that they felt bad for those supporters because they won't get to see their favorite players or their favorite club play because of, of, of life, basically, because they may not have any other time off to come see these guys. So the festive fixtures is a good thing. One pundit was saying. And I don't know how I feel about that, because I'm like like you said, they play football matches all the time. Like
1: if you really want is, to
0: you, do something, you'll find a way to get it done, right? Like
1: And the thing is, most workplaces offer you at least uh I think it's twenty to twenty eight days a year off. And you and usually you can book it for when you want. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them you get Christmas off anyway, it's just how it is. But depends obviously it depends on your job if you're a nurse or a firefighter police you you know what i mean but yeah no, no i get you but yeah you're gonna get time off nobody works seven days a week all year and then have three days off over christmas like oh football you know it doesn't work like that so i think that's just kind of an excuse i mean i understand it's probably easier for some people over christmas but you know you you have to think of the overall picture and not just a few people here
0: I believe that they, they – be, it's been – England has been needed a fucking winter break. Like, even without COVID, the amount of injuries that players are are suffering and at the rate they're suffering them, it's because they're – this quick-ass turnaround. Like, if you played on Boxing Day, where the fuck do you got to turn around 48 hours later to play another match? It don't make no sense. And it's – as much as I hate to say this, fuck me as much as I hate to say this, but Jurgen Klopp has a fucking point because they don't have enough time for proper recovery and then many players are going to end up getting injured because the odds are greater because you can't mitigate injuries as effectively when you're playing every two to three days. And that's why even the big clubs, yes, I know they have depth, but like injuries don't give a fuck if you're a big club, small club, mid-table club. Like They don't care. They happen. They happen to everybody. And at this point, it, it's 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 a fucking joke that they don't have a winter break. Players need to recover. They need time off. Also, I would argue that the quality of football is also fucking trash because there is no there is no winter break. So these guys look worn down. They looked fatigued. They look completely, you know, Worn, worn out because they're playing every two to three days. I don't want to watch low quality football. If I want to watch that shit, I'll turn on an MLS game during the fucking MLS regular season.
1: <laughs> Just like Chelsea, though, isn't it, against Aston Villa. I thought, you know, the first half, Pulisic up front, we were missing something. You bring on Lukaku, and then, you know, he's fresh, hasn't played for all, hasn't played in too many minutes recently. He comes on and absolutely dominates the game. And it also makes me wonder, like obviously leading into the winter break, but why are five, and I know the smaller clubs in the Premier League had a little whinge about it. It's not fair, it's not fair. But, you know, five subs would be fair for everybody because it reduces the chance of injuries if they're not going to give you a winter break. And then, you know, let's be honest. If you're Chelsea and Norwich, Norwich don't have international players unless it's something like Pookie for Finland. But that's about it. You look at the Chelsea, the cities, the United, the Liverpools, they have basically their whole squad going off here, there and everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, Thiago Silva flies back to Brazil and comes back and has to rest. So it's it's not fair on the you know the small clubs say it's an unfair advantage. It's not because they their players don't have to go and play all around the world. And five subs would allow them to promote more players from within. And if those players do well, they can either interact into their first team or sell them on for a profit. So it would actually be a good business model for the smaller clubs as well, having more players to choose from in a match. And you know. So, there's many ways you can spin this, but I think it's just that, oh, you've got better players than us. You shouldn't be allowed to bring them on. But at the end of the day, if you, the teams that you're playing have a better starting 11 than you. So, it's not going to make a difference whether it's three subs or five. And I, and I know that five subs sometimes can ruin the flow of the game. And I like the fact you have to make them in three intervals. So, you can't just bring one on five times. You have to use five subs in three intervals. So, it's like two, two, one or three, one, one. Yeah, it's.
0: In- it's in law number, what Is that, law three covers that. But
1: it's, you know, and the rest of Europe, I believe, is still using five subs.
0: They are. Yeah. But I know. And that so, I last checked, they are.
1: And you don't see the teams at the bottom of league League or La Liga or Bundesliga crying about it. They're just getting on with it.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. I'd argue the teams at the bottom of League Earn and in the Bundesliga are worse than the teams in the Premier League.
0: It this they we just need a winter break and you know what I don't for the life of me comprehend right we we have been in a fucking pandemic for about two years now and this is a whole other dimension that of the game and of players health I should say players health that can make things go askew real quick because. I'm not Do sh- you know what I am? I am sure. The Premier League doesn't want to deal with it because it hits their bottom line. God forbid, you know what I'm saying? Their bottom line gets hit. And now, not only do you have injuries, is one thing, right? Because if a player gets injured or a couple of players get injured, that's something that's sequestered inside that individual player. Like it happened to them specifically. That's it. COVID don't work that way. You got uh, I think it's what a 25-man squad. You got motherfuckers sharing a dressing room facilities, match balls, and God knows what other shit. You got and motherfuckers as well. know that this shit made it shut the world down, legitimately shut the fucking world down. But you think by postpone, postponing fixtures is some type of fucking like some panacea for this, and it's not. You are not only putting players at risk; you're putting their fucking families at risk. And it's not just—it's not just, you know what I mean. It's not just a thing where it's a Premier League because it's it's England as a whole. Because I know the other three tiers in the top four, for the most part, play this schedule or something similar to it. So now you're putting, like, it just—you know what I'm saying? It just multiplies the risk; just multiplies because now you're fucking with people's families. Because if somebody gets sick odds are somebody else in that dressing room is going to get sick. The chances are that somebody in their family is going to get sick because they bought it home from work. So teams not only will be ravaged and torn asunder due to injuries, but now you add this extra layer, or this extra, I'm sorry, you add this, um, the added risk, the added risk of COVID, and it just makes for an utter and complete... Clusterfuck and displays the utmost elite shithousery that I think I have ever fucking seen as a fan of football.
1: And you have to take into account that postponing the games now for certain teams gives them an unfair advantage later on in the season when they've got to cram games in into a short period of time. Because mm-hmm. uh, Burnley have got three games in hand at the moment on uh, versus Newcastle, so Burnley are gonna have to play those three games. When you know no one else is playing, they're going to be exact they're going to be exhausted, and you know they could. And that was you know we don't know this, but you know if we, they could have their own COVID crisis as well. You know it could happen to, it literally can't happen to anybody. So I think they should have just like they did a couple of seasons ago, just stop all the games, keep everyone where they are, and then when it's you know when when this has gone down, empty the stadiums again, take fans out of stadiums. Oh, but the money, the atmosphere. It's better to be safe than fucking sorry. And I thought that you know, yeah, it sucks for having an atmosphere, of course, but it's better to you know, if you want to get the games done safely, go back to the training bubbles. Only play if it's safe, and if there's a, even if there's one or two COVID cases, just cancel the game because it lowers the risk. There's no point in saying, oh, you need seven or eight. No, because some people don't show symptoms when they te- you know they don't show symptoms, and they could you know they might not pass you know they might not have a positive test. You you never know. Or it could show up later. That's just ridiculous. And of course, we're not going to talk about this in detail, but you have the players that decide they don't want the vaccine and everything that goes along with that, but that's a different story.
0: Yeah. I mean, regardless of the fact too, but that plays into it. Like you know, right? Nobody on this podcast is gonna tell people what the fuck to do with their body. It's not what we're trying to do here. I understand. Do what you like, I, don't
1: fo- care.
0: I understand football is have choices, too, because they are human. But here's my thing. As an organization, Premier League, if I can call you that, F.A., I refuse to call you that, actually. When you got those dickheads in charge, I'm not saying to sit there and mandate the vaccine or whatever. What, what we're saying is be fucking smart and have common sense. Because people also forget, even if you're vaccinated, you're not impervious to this shit. Does it help? Sure. But having this knowledge... At the at the level that these assholes at the FA and at the Premier League have having this knowledge, you might think it would suit everyone if you just fucking took a break, postponed a certain part of the season, to your point, Ash, let things calm down a little bit, take fans out of the stands, and go back to just playing behind closed doors and testing every day. Cause I heard on I've heard um I was reading something the other day and it said that they had relaxed a lot of the previous covid guidelines that were in place when they first started playing football again from project restart then that befuddles the shit out of me because i'm like why would you do that like the pandemic just didn't it didn't go away guy
1: it's complete madness but where the money's involved and t- because um the cv companies don't help because if they don't show the games they've got to give the money back so they'll be pushing for games to go ahead as well obviously of course um, i mean But um, along with the over overpopulated fixtures and congestion and whatever you want to fucking call it, uh, does England need the EFL Cup?
0: Fuck no. No. Um, See, I I think it
1: could stay, you know. I think it could stay. But here's the thing. Make it an under-23s tournament for the 72 league clubs. And like in the Olympics make the rule where you can have three over 23 players. So for fitness purposes or, you know, just like we're doing the Olympics. I think that'd be a fun, that way, clubs can use players to gain experience. And it it basically promotes youth academy, which is good for England. And it's good for any country that has players in their academies. So if you've got like a young Brazilian, a French, you know, I think that'd be a really good way forward. And I know some teams play their kids anyway, but make it mandatory because then the first team players can have a rest. And then, you know, or apart from the two or three, you know, let's use Chelsea, for example. You know, EFL Cup game against someone in the championship, let's say Stoke or Nottingham Forest. You know, they play there under the 23s. We play ours. They put, let's say they put their captain in because, you know, they want to and he's 30. And let's say Chelsea put in someone like Marcus Alonso, Ross Barkley and Marcus Bettinelli. Let's say we put those three in. Wouldn't that be a, and I think it'd be a lot more enjoyable because it's a chance for the youth players to show that they can play in the first team. And I know people might not agree with it, but it's like, oh, if it's silver, it's silverware. Yes, it is. So the knives and forks in my cutlery drawer. I don't want them. But I just think that it'd be a lot better if the first team players didn't have to play those cup games. Like I said, make it an under-23 tournament, and that way you see better youth engagement. I think it'll be a lot more competitive because youth football usually is, and it allows first team players to rest
0: and relax. I'd it all together. I know the EFL trophy is for the lower the lower tiers of football. That's just fucking pointless in as well. In England? The, no, it I, is pointless, but I can kind of see what you're saying because in that competition, if I remember right, I think it's 16 U21 sides compete in that competition. So I could kind of see you doing this where you keep the cup in. But you just put under-23s instead. I mean, I think, but yeah, then you know, at Papa that John... point, though, don't under-23s have other competitions too? I'm legitimately asking this question, by the way. I
1: don't know. I don't know if it's under-23s or under-21s. There's certainly fucking age groups in football. But, you know, it's weird because I don't understand why you need the Papa John's trophy. I think it's, what, the League 1 and League 2 clubs that take part in that?
0: League 1, League 2, and 16 Premier League clubs – that have under 21 sides participate in that
1: a little bit pointless if you ask me
0: a little bit it is pointless
1: just make this just make the caravel cup the under 23s or just call it you know the U23 league cup or well the youth cup or, Well, well you know what i mean just just do something with it but i wouldn't i wouldn't care if they got rid of it it's just pointless i mean if we win it this season okay i'm glad it's a trophy but if it was gone then it's gone you know i don't think anyone would really miss it
0: i would just rather see it gone period cuz for me it's pointless even if let's say we do what you said you put the under 23s in okay that's cool but i mean what i mean what what's other than play first team players getting rest under 23s getting experience what else could it be of use for? Because under-23s, you know, is it a thing where they can they can be seen by more eyes? Would that be appealing to make it an under-3 competition? Because we know under-23s, most of the time, sadly, a lot of these motherfuckers don't make it into the first team. So does that, that cup competition give them a chance to get more eyes on them to see what they can do? But at the same time, too, doesn't that create, you know... Um, a greater risk for injury because I know some under twenty three sides. I know there is uh under twenty three sides, and I gotta double check, but I want to say they also play in Europe too. Yeah,
1: uh, the Europe,
0: so yeah, youth league Wouldn't that for the for other for certain clubs? Wouldn't that just be more of a fucking mess? Because now you're trying to deal with the league season and two cup competitions. And then you get that yeah. big two where they may prioritize the bigger sides. I'm saying, I'm just saying the bigger sides may prioritize the UEFA, the UEFA youth league compared to a fucking Carabao Cup. I mean, you what know, you that's, said? I mean, that's the only other problem yeah. I see too. Because you see everybody playing their, they don't even play beat teams no more in the Carabao Cup. It's to the point where we're fucking literally seeing the kids, which I can understand where you, fabricated that idea of just make it a fucking under-23 tournament. But honestly, I couldn't be fucked to even have that shit. It should just be gone altogether because if you, it becomes a conversation of, okay, it's the really under-23s, most managers are going to value the bigger trophy over a league trophy.
1: I mean, it's like, I mean keep the FA... I mean, if you look at the FA Cup and then the League Cup, the FA Cup is so much better because it's open to literally Every club, every professional and non-league club in the country. You know, even the Metropolitan Police have an FA Cup side, believe it or not.
0: What the fuck?
1: Yeah, and the FA Cup starts with over 900 teams involved. And it's just, you know, you'd always get that one team that go a little bit further than they should. And it's awesome. And okay, yes, it's usually a Premier League side that ends up winning it. But it's such a great competition. Whereas the League Cup, you just think, eh. Like If you win it, you win it. If you don't, you don't care. That's kind of what the League Cup is. Like If you win it, okay, trophy. If you don't, oh, well, on to the next one. Basically. I just don't think many people would
0: miss it. And what it saves about seven or eight fixtures a season. Mm -hmm. That's less injuries you have to contest with because, like you said, seven or eight games that you don't got to worry about playing motherfuckers in. And I mean, it's getting old too, because I've heard people bewail that, like I said earlier, managers honestly don't give a fuck. They're just putting in like C teams because they have other shit to do. I mean, for fuck's sake, we' even there's instances where I have even seen championship sides do the same shit where they're putting out a B team because everybody in the first four tiers is worried about more important shit. If you play in lead two, League One and the Championship. Your main concern is fuck. I mean, trophies are nice, but most fucking sides are vying for promotion, and survival to, and others are trying to stay up. For fuck's sake, I'm pretty sure they don't give a shit about a cup because I've I've seen it over the last couple of years where they're not they're not taking it seriously. So you're getting B and C teams, and everybody else in the, the first four divisions of, of uh, League Two, League One, and the Championship are more fucking fixated on promotion or not getting relegated and at the premier league level if you're a big club you're worried about europe you're worried about the champions league a couple motherfuckers are worried about the europa league and whatever that fucking third competition is which is a fucking joke the the conference league i guess if anybody even gives a shit about that but i'm just saying there are priorities clubs have and sometimes it's not going to be a fucking league cup i just say Nick's the bitch
1: At the end of the day, I mean, like I said, no one's going to miss it. Like you said, teams have got more things, more important things to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, before we end, uh, just a little bit about Chelsea. Uh, obviously, there's news today that apparently Luka Dinier he is a very likely option next month. What are your thoughts on him?
0: I'm with it. Descriptive as always. <laughs> I'm with it. There's nothing much else to say. I've I've seen him play. He's solid and he gives us somebody. Familiar in that position, knows how to play it, and would be a way better option than what we have right now. Because for fuck's sake, mm-hmm. if I have to watch somebody who's not a natural wing back play that position, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Because Pulisic doesn't do it for me. Adoy's okay well, when he's put there.
1: Can I say something about Pulisic? I actually thought he was very good at right wing back against uh, Villa second half. I thought he did well. I think he looks great uh, he- on the bench. You would say that because you're a biased idiot, but but anyway. Before we I, mean, get into I, I hear this,
0: the trainer's table's his thing, but I digress. Anyway, put his hamstring warming up, but anyway. <laughs> Psych. But,
1: where's Pulisic? Oh, he's broken his wrist. I've made some cheese.
0: This, this motherfucker <laughs> pulls his hamstring rolling out of bed. I mean, he probably fucking tears his fucking. Quad fucking quads taking a piss in the morning like I can't do it but I digress we're not we're not getting into that shit
1: Alex we're sorry
0: <laughs> Alex just know I love you bro but um you can agree to disagree
1: and back to Lucadier. Um <laughs> yeah,
0: back to Lukadinier
1: <laughs> I think he's a very good crosser Rebel. Marcus Alonso I think his, his best years are done he's not a start yeah. yeah he started the season well because he was first choice. And I think Mike said it, like, when he's not first choice anymore, his head goes. And he knows he's only playing because Chilwell's not fit. And now Chilwell's gone for the rest of the season. We've only got one left back at the club. I mean, after Laqueta can play there, but I'd rather him a right wing back or center back, to be honest.
0: I'd rather um, him not be a wing back, to be honest. I'd rather him just settle down somewhere in a back three because his legs are going on him.
1: I don't you say that, but I don't think they are. Like, he's still pretty quick for
0: his age. He's, he's 31. So I think he's still got at least two or three seasons with us. I I i will, I concur not to concur with that, but go on. Anyway,
1: but I think centre back would be better for him because he has still got a little bit of pace and he reads the game well.
0: That's um, fine. But, but Yeah. Yeah.
1: And obviously reshames wing backs a little bit better and Astrid, I think Reshans is better when Astela Quator plays next to him. And I like Christensen, but and Christensen usually plays on that side with Silver in the middle, Rudiger on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. I think Rhys James is better when Aspel is there because he's when I mean, Christensen's a good defender. Don't get me wrong, but I think Aspel Aquater reads the game better, and when James wants to bombard forward, uh, you don't see Aspel bombing. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking for a goal, when Aspel will overlap, same as Rudiger does. But I think that Aspel Aquater covers that space better when Rhys James is going forward. So, but yeah. Luca Denia, I think, he, he rejoins Chelsea, he'll be a starting left-back. And I like, I like the fact that it's only a loan deal uh, being proposed, so a loan with no obligation to buy, which is probably the best thing for us because that way we haven't got, a, you know, haven't got to buy him at the end of the season because we might want to explore other options. But it's basically just a makeshift until the end of the season, if it goes ahead, of course. Mm-hmm. The other one being rumoured is Teo Hernandez, the AC Milan left-back and i rate him highly he's very quick good defensively he's quite strong as well and um i would i'd love him to be at chelsea but i just don't think it's worth signing him because when Chilwell's fully fit again you're going to have first two first choice left backs trying to play for this, in the same position and one of them's going to be very unhappy so i think lucas dinya makes the most sense he knows the league he wants to leave everton frankly they're willing to let him go so in high in in on paper it all looks like a good deal and obviously we have got some we have got french players at the club who can help him settle in so i'm sure it'll be a, i'm sure i think it will happen i'm not sure if chelsea do any other business this window maybe you know there's talks of kwande coming in this with window as well but i think that'll be a summer move
0: in all honesty it should be a summer we don't really see big signings in the winter window
1: but um but well, I think it depends on Rudiger as well, because Rudiger agrees to join Real Madrid, then Chelsea might act fast to get Koande integrated into the team. That's a, apparently, that's, a, that's a fair point. I just hope Christensen That's a quite obviously, you know, I think Aspi will sign his contract. I think Christensen will too, but I just just get it done already. You know, if you really love this is more for Christensen, but Aspie's age, you know, Chelsea on over thirties, one year deal or well, you fuck off basically. Which I think is a stupid policy. But um I think McChrystal, like, if he really sees his future at Chelsea, just commit to the club mm-hmm. instead of pl- instead of playing these games. It's just ridiculous because we're playing. Because Alex brought this up about you know the contract situations. Like, has that been part of what's affected our season? And I mean, it could have been because before all this came out, the defensively we were solid. And then there's unrest about you know Rudiger. He's let's be honest, probably going to Real Madrid. Yeah, you know. So, you know, then Chelsea have to work around that. Like, you know, why should Rüdiger be playing if he's decided to just not, you know, go to Real Madrid? Why should he then Why should he then be a priority starter? But Again, Malang Sarr's not quite good enough yet. Trevor Chalabar, I think he's been outstanding this season. I think he's been one of our best players. Um, you know, and I think he, he was unfortunate to be the player that came off against Villa. It just was a needs must for the team rather than mm-hmm. him being poor. So... I think Trevor Taliban will be a you know Chelsea starter for seasons to come because I don't think he hasn't put a foot wrong this season. Um, obviously, we've got Levi Colwell at Huddersfield. I know Mike's a huge fan of him and they love him there. Uh, we've got Ethan Ampadu if he ever finds a fucking low move that suits him. But I think his future at Chelsea has probably sailed, to be honest. Not that I don't rate him. I just think that it's never going to happen because he's never had the low move that he's needed to really show what he's got. You know, he didn't get the football at Leipzig. He didn't really get it at Sheffield United. And now he's at Venezia in Italy. And, well, he's not going to be able to do too much there because they're not a great side. You know, so I don't know if he's going to come back and get a future at Chelsea. It's possible, of course. He's only 19-20. But you think at this point, you know, he needs a low move where he's going to be playing week in, week out on a somewhat decent side. So how do you feel about five
0: substitutions?
1: I think it needs to be done. I don't care what the smaller clubs say because if they got an injury to their star player because of it, they'd start crying after that. So five stops is fine. Keep it as what it used to be after the project restart. You know, five substitutes and three. Uh, what am I looking, What's the word? Three. It's a fucking word. Three slots. Um, and then obviously you have the extra substitute for concussion injuries, which is I've only seen it used once so far, and that's for Luke Shaw. But, you know, just keep that back just in case. That should actually Uh, be
0: made permanent, both those things, five subs and the concussion. I believe the concussion substitute is permanent. Okay, I don't know if that was permanent or not. But if it's permanent, that's a good idea because, fuck, I mean, we've seen some egregious (laughs) head injuries that have left, at least have left me completely aghast witnessing them.
1: Yeah, you can't fuck around with head injuries, you know. Mm -hmm. If the doctors tell you're off, you're off. Just you know, and then you bring a replacement on.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a good that's that's actually good that that's now in the laws and is permanent because that that's my biggest one. Five subs. Five subs make sense. Small clubs complaining. We don't have the depth. Learn how to fucking scout and build a team. That's what I say.
1: Exactly. And what about these top clubs? I they don't have the depth because of COVID. It's not just them, you know. How many mm-hmm. players were Chelsea missing against Everton? You know, how many players did we miss against Brentford? Okay, league cup game, but it's not the point. We couldn't field a team, a strong team. We had to rush Kante back from injury. Same against Wolves. So, it's, you know, it's the same for everybody, but it's just not, you know. So at the end of the day, smaller clubs should have to, you know, they're, they're smaller clubs. You know, it doesn't matter if they had three or three or five subs. At the end, you know, nine times out of ten, they're not going to win anyway, no matter how many fucking players you replace. So I don't know what they're crying for.
0: For whatever advantage they can, I guess, because they're mad because bigger clubs have more money. And I get that. But if you're a well-run club, you can figure it out. And five subs shouldn't be that big of a deal.
1: Exactly. And, like, what I'm thinking is, if they've got those players on the bench, they can still bring any of them on in that three slots. You know what I mean? Like Chelsea have, you know, the players they got on the bench. They have not some Werner on the bench. Chelsea can still bring those two players on with three subs. So I don't, I don't understand what the problem is. And if you're making five subs, you're going to take quality off. Anyway, you're going to take, you're going to take somebody good off at some point. So it'll, it'll balance itself out. I just don't understand the, yeah. You know, well, they think it's unfair on them. But if they was in that situation and they had injuries galore. And, you know, let's say they made three subs and got an injury that wasn't a concussion. They'd want five subs then,
0: wouldn't they? They would. And you might think, too, it's most small clubs usually have to rely on loans, cultivating youth talent. Five subs is just another opportunity to do that. I mean, how many small clubs can we sit here and name? Probably a bunch that are getting by or doing well straight up off of low moves, like well – properly executed loan moves and youth ta- are a small club but um yeah
1: that's the thing with small clubs i think you put these youth players in you know put the youth players in they start playing well they get a first team spot a year or two down the line these clubs can make money for those players when they go to a bigger club and they can reinvest their squad so exactly. it's a cycle but it's sweet They just want to be picky and it swings and roundabouts I don't want five subs that disadvantages them until they've got a squad crisis, an injury, and they've got players who are at risk of injury. Or they've made made three subs and someone gets their ankle broken. Because then they'll start whinging about it.
0: I say it's always a problem when it's not convenient. Like, when it's convenient, regardless if it's for a big club or a small club, there's never an issue. The moment that it ceases to be convenient, then it becomes an issue.
1: Yeah. Well... You can't win because, like I said, everyone, I don't know who the clubs were, but I think it was the clubs at the bottom of the league. But at the end of the day, you know, they, don't, they have to consider as well that the big clubs have to play. They've got players on international fixtures, like we mentioned. They have to play European football, you know, and it's ridiculous. They don't take that into account and they have more fixtures. So if five subs doesn't really benefit them, it's just a way of coping through the season because it's egregiously long. And there's no breaks. You know, most apart from the international break, the Premier League is week in, week out, sometimes three games in a week. There's Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So, Mm -hmm.
0: five subs creates more opportunities too for fringe players, even.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just, it mainly eases the burden on the first team. And that's the whole point. It reduces
0: injury and player safety remains. But imagine that you made sense. I hope you're listening to this podcast.
1: FA. I think, you know, Premier League looking looking forward something's got to change regarding everything whether it be the whether it be the league cup abandoned five stops to winter break and, and 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 if this world cup turns up every two years which i've got a feeling it might now they've heard the money now they've heard the money involved then football's fucked but it's been fucked for
0: a while it sadly think, has been
1: and i think that's where we should probably end it today but um <laughs> Yeah, so for anyone that's, you know, you want to contact us um, or our Facebook, which is On The Pitch Podcast. There's a page and a group. Uh, there's some entry questions. They're not difficult. Just agree to the rules. It's a calm place, banter, good discussions. All fans are welcome. Um, so, yeah, check us out on there. And obviously, if you know friends who like football, then let them know about the podcast and share it around. Anything you need to add, Dave?
0: Happy birthday, Marcus Alonso.
1: And happy birthday, David Pinero.
0: Oh, stop. Yeah, it's Dave's birthday today. Yes, it is. I'm 36 today. He's getting old. (laughs) Yeah, but on that note, thanks everybody for taking some time out of your day to listen. And wherever you are in the world, we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night. Till next time. We will talk to you soon.